Greetings and welcome to episode number 26 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Uh, David Dwork here with you as always. And uh, on this episode, we're going to dive into uh, some of the new Panthers players that are joining the team this season, as well as expand on some of the prospects that are hopefully going to make the jump from the AHL to the NHL this year. And uh, to help me jump into that topic is uh, NHL.com American Hockey League correspondent, Patrick Williams. So Patrick, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Great. Thanks for having me. No, it's my pleasure, man. As I, as I said before, I've been reading your work and following you for a while. So this is, uh, it's really cool to actually get to speak to you about some of these guys. Um, and the first player I wanted to ask you about is somebody that the Panthers uh, just signed in the off season. Uh, he really tore up the AHL a couple of years ago. And I'm asking about Carter Verhage. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've been able to see of him, he seems to have some sneaky skills in the offensive zone. Uh, he seems to like to score with some flair. I, the highlights I saw, a lot of his uh, shots went high glove, which tells me he's kind of a guy that that knows how to, to pick the corners and, and likes to score the puck. But uh, what's your take on him? Yeah, he was, he had a really interesting career path. Um, he spent a fair amount of time in the ECHL, the uh, AA version, uh, you know, of, of, for hockey and um, bounced through two different uh, NHL systems before he even went to Tampa Bay. He was with the, originally drafted by the Leafs and then went to the New York Islanders and um, he put up some numbers in junior, but uh, he was a third round draft pick. And, and the thing I always say about those guys is second, third, fourth round, even fifth round sometimes is those are the guys that NHL clubs really rely on their American hockey league uh, affiliate to develop. Uh, for the most part, if you, if you draft someone in the first round, the plan is they should make the NHL and they may need some American league time in order to, uh, you know, sand down some of those rough edges, but some of the guys uh, that go later in the draft, that third, fourth round range, especially um, it's, it can really go either way. And it depends on the, the NHL system you're in the role they give you. And it, I think the amount of uh, resources that they allocate uh, toward your development. Uh, he kind of stalled, uh, you know, before he came to the Tampa Bay lightning uh, and went to the Syracuse crunch but that 2017 uh, season that he um, he really started to find his, his game in the American League level, uh, that was a huge year for him. Uh, the Lightning always put together a really strong uh, American League affiliate, uh, both in terms of prospects, but also in terms of uh, those American Hockey League veterans, that, that the older guys, the 25 to 30-year-old guys that can come in and, and provide some stability uh, both on and off the ice. Uh, and I think he really thrived in that and uh, you know, put that together that, that big season in 2018, 19 uh, led, uh, led the league in points, uh, uh, 82 points. Uh, so more than point per, per game player. And then he, he found himself finally in the NHL uh, this past season uh, with Tampa Bay. But I think for him, uh, that lineup is just such a difficult one to crack. And um, you're not necessarily going to get the, the role that, a player like him needs uh, when you are with Tampa. Um, they don't need guys that can play top six. They need guys that are bottom six. So I think a guy like for Haiti is, is much better suited in that maybe second, third line role. I think fourth line, he can get a little bit lost. Uh, doesn't really play to his suit, uh, his strong suit. So uh, I'm really interested to see how he handles this opportunity with Florida. I think uh, uh, you're going in there with uh, Joel Quenville, um, it's a new start for Verhage, uh, new general manager coming in, obviously bringing a new regime there. So uh, in a lot of ways, it's a fresh start for a player that 
has had his fair amount of uh, fresh starts throughout, uh, you know, uh, the past, what, five seasons. So uh, he's only 25 years old, though, so there's a lot of uh, runway for him. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm really in, in, interested to see how he takes this. I think for him, this is um, a situation where um, we've seen this before, like a guy with uh, like uh, Marcia So, guy that kind of bounced around a little bit and took a while to find his game. Then he went to Florida a couple of years ago and just – really took off. So I'm not predicting that necessarily, but, uh, you know, it is an interesting uh, trajectory um, in, in that regard. So we'll see. Uh, but, uh, you know, the opportunity is there for him now. Yeah. The similarities, I think uh, when you bring up a guy like Marsh or so, I mean, for Panthers fans, it's like, Oh, a guy that was buried in Tampa Florida mm-hmm. gets him on the cheap. Uh, it, it certainly looks like he's going to at least get a chance to get those top six minutes uh, just because, uh, obviously right now we don't know how the roster is going to be filled out between now and the season, but it seems like a guy like for Haiti and the way that Bill Zito spoke about him, he's going to get every opportunity to, to get those chances, to take those 15 to 20 minutes to get shifts with to high end offensive players. So um, I'm excited to see it, you know, just mm-hmm. like you said, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. Um, I'm curious though, as far as his 200 foot game, because that's such a big element to, to Joel Quenville's play. Uh, he plays very much about puck possession and controlling it throughout. And um, that's something that I was curious. How do you think Verhades game would translate to that kind of a system? Well, that, that, that's, that's a huge point. Uh, I, a couple of years ago, before he came to Tampa, I would have uh, had some major concerns about that. Uh, uh, but when you go through that Syracuse program, uh, you're going to come out there. Um, if you do end up reaching the NHL, uh, playing a two-way game, uh, you play for head coach there, Ben Grua. He's a real stickler for that kind of detail. Uh, he really leans hard on his players, uh, and you're not you're not getting out of Syracuse, getting into the Tampa Bay lineup on any sort of regular basis if you're not at least uh, reasonably responsible at, at both ends. So uh, I think uh, a guy like Verhage is never going to necessarily be uh, you know a dominant two way player, but I think he can do enough uh, to at least. Um, hold his own and, uh, you know, allow himself that opportunity to, to let his offensive uh, uh, abilities show. So um, I think he won't necessarily help you in the defensive zone, but I think he's gotten to the point where I don't think he'll necessarily hurt you either. Yeah, that, that'll be probably key because one of the problems I think last year was it, was it wasn't necessarily that guys were helping, but when you're, when you're hurting the team in the defensive end, it, mm-hmm. it's a tough, it's, it's really a lot of gray area. So it, it'll be, It'll be interesting to see how that translates. Yeah. Um, the next guy I wanted to ask you about, I, I've loved everything I've seen from this guy, uh, Ryan Lombard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, seems like he's had a motor that just doesn't stop. And for a guy that seems so big, I mean, he's his upper body is really, comparably to the guys in the ice, he seems like he's a bigger guy. He moves yeah. really quickly. And he's got a scoring touch too. Yeah, it's, he's stocky. I think um, that, that's a perfect that's way to describe it. That, that, that's the thing that, stock, that stands out for me when I see him, uh, you know, he – you know, in a league where uh, you don't see necessarily that that build a lot anymore, uh, you see more of the lean kind of six two, six three guys that are you know more of that body type. He he's kind of an old school stocky uh, crash bang type forward. Uh, he he really impressed me. I mean, I I thought there was a role for him in Calgary at some point. Uh, I was surprised in some regards that he never got much of a chance there. Uh, but he plays a, a rambunctious game i think i would describe it as uh, and playing out there in the pacific division of the american hockey league uh, that was uh for the last number of years a kind of a t- 
to the extent that it still exists to uh, uh, more of a rough and tumble style of game. Uh, those teams play each other a lot. Uh, there's a lot of uh, pretty heated rivalries and uh, a player like him really thrives in that environment. Uh, um, the thing with him, you do want him to stay out of the penalty box uh, a little bit more. I think he's cleaned that up somewhat, um, but uh, that can be, uh, that can be an issue for a player like him that he can get into that penalty trouble. And uh, uh, he's got enough skill that you want to see him on the ice. And I thought he, um, he'd always kind of shown a little bit of offensive touch at the American League level, but this uh, past season um, really showed a nice, nice bit of uh, flair there. He's really a point per player or uh, point per game player. So um, only was limited to, I think, to about 20 games in the American League. Uh, so um, that was an issue, but uh, uh, I'm interested to see what he can do. I think, uh, you know, in some ways, I've always thought of the, the Panthers. Uh, you know, throughout the years, it's kind of a quiet team. Uh, they're not necessarily a team that stirs the pot much. And, and not that you need uh, a ton of that, but I think we'll add a different element to, to, to their lineup that they, they haven't really had in, in the last number of years. So I'm interested to see what he can do. Um, and I think a good fresh start for him will be big. He was kind of buried in that Calgary system for a while. I think getting out of there and getting into to Florida, I think, is, is a really good move for him. Yeah, and I mean, they gave him the one-way deal, so obviously they're saying yeah. you're going to get every chance to, to make your mark in the NHL. And, and I mean, like you talk about for such a big guy, like he really plays a north-south brand of hockey, which for somebody with his size, it's really impressive to see. Mm -hmm. And, and you yeah. talk about that, that element of making things a little more difficult in Florida and how it hasn't been there. So you sign a guy like Lombard, you add a guy like Radko Gudas, and suddenly Florida is not as appeasing of a, of a destination when you look at the schedule. So they, yeah, they're, 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 they now look like a, a difficult spot on the schedule. When you come in there and not necessarily going to be a quiet game, uh, you're going to at least have some of that, that abrasiveness that uh, they haven't had. So uh, I think anything you can do, uh, it's a long season that you need, it takes all types is something I always think of when I think of lineups and uh, they need that element. And, and I think Buddhist is another good point uh, uh, and I think the two of them are, you definitely can see where Bill Zito's going. Uh, he wants some of that. Um, that's always kind of been a little bit of a, in the DNA of the, the Columbus Blue Jackets as well. Um, uh, so it, it was interesting when those signings came down, you really got a sense, okay, this is what Florida's trying to do. Uh, it's one thing to talk about it, but when you go out and you start, you know, handing out contracts, uh, that's another story. Yeah, no, for sure. And you talk about a team like Columbus or even a team like Tampa, teams have an image. Teams you know what you're getting and Florida has never really had an image. They'll have good players they'll, they'll get a good coach. They, they've never really been a team that you can say, this is what kind of team the mm -hmm. Panthers are. And I think Bill Zito is really starting to shape them into something specific, which, you know, for, for lack of nothing else, at least it's something to build on. It's something to hang your hat on, which, you know, there hasn't really been much of in Florida. No, there hasn't. Um, and uh, it's always been, like you said, it's a team that's never quite had an image. It's, it's been, it's been the Florida Panthers and, um, you know, you look at the best teams in the league, they all have that one word identifier that you can attach to them. Uh, Florida doesn't have it, but maybe with a guy like Zito coming in there, I'm, I'm big on that move for, for the Panthers. I think that can definitely uh, start to move them in that direction. Um, another thing that's going to help them hopefully move in that direction is some of the, uh, the younger players that got a lot of experience in the AHL in the last couple of seasons that I want to ask you about. And the first one is the one who I am hoping will make the biggest impact on the Panthers this season, and that's Owen Tippett. Mm -hmm. um, 
he really seemed last year like he was ready to make the jump. He he was getting all the responsibility that you would expect someone to get. He was getting top line minutes, power play. He was producing. What I liked about him it was that it seemed like he was in the right spot a lot of the time. It wasn't relying so much on his great wrist shot. He was often just placed in front of the net. He was on the side. He was collecting easy goals, which I thought that was a good sign for him because we know he can score the tough stuff. Yeah, um, I, I think it was good that they gave him that year in Springfield. Um, that's a, a real trademark of, of when you look at the top uh, teams across the NHL, year after year, uh, the one defining quality they have with their younger players is patience. Uh, it's not rushing a guy up there when he's 19 or 20 years old because you're desperate to fill a spot in the lineup and you, you cross your fingers and you hope for the best and tell yourself that you'll live with his mistakes. But you, when the season starts going, uh, you find yourself not so willing to live with their, those mistakes and <laughs> player ends up confused. Uh, his confidence takes a hit. Uh, he's in and out of the lineup. Uh, you know, in some cases, you know, the fans get down on him and, and just, you got to remember these are 20 year old kids sometimes. And um, they're figuring themselves out. They're figuring out their games and, um, a player like Tippett, I thought it was a good move for him. Go down, uh, play for Jordy Kinnear, um, and really drill hard on that two-way game. And uh, he did that. And uh, you talked to Jordy Kinnear at uh, different points in the year, and uh, that was one of the first things he would point out. Uh, everyone knows um, the, the shot and the, and, the, and the offensive abilities that Owen Tippett has, but – it's that other side of the game that's going to help him stick in the NHL and help him to get on the good side of a coach, especially a guy like Joel Quenville. Um, like you said, you're not going to play in Joel Quenville's lineup on any sort of regular basis if you're not taking care of both ends of the ice. Uh, so that was a good move. Uh, I was impressed when Florida actually sent him down and kept him there for a while and um, avoided that temptation that, oh, well, he had a good weekend, so let's start bringing him up and uh, doing that. For the most part, uh they, they were patient with him and, and I thought that really paid off. And, you know, at the American league level, he was dominant. He was the kind of guy that really generated uh, ability or, or offensive uh, abilities and uh, knows how to get the puck on the net. He's not afraid to shoot it. And I think that's a, that's another good sign for a young player yes. in American league. Uh, sometimes that emphasis on defensive play and, and just being responsible can, um, sometimes go the other direction and then a uh, player almost starts overthinking everything. So, um, you know, I think in, uh, in this regard, uh, Tippett really managed to kind of walk that line um, uh, in, in terms of working on his defensive game, but not letting it uh, impact uh, what he brings, you know, what his bread and butter are. Uh, you threw out the one word confidence. And I feel like the more young guys I've spoken to over the last couple of years, it's such a constant with them that the confidence you don't really think about it that much, but it's such a big element to the younger players. And with Tippett, I feel like his confidence grew. And in that, his leadership grew. It was something mm -hmm. that I really liked hearing last year was it wasn't just that his game was blossoming, but as a person, he was blossoming. He was becoming a leader in that locker room. It, yeah, that's a great point. And, and that can be tough. A uh, 20-year-old kid walking into a room and, um, you know, a lot of times you're, you're going in there and uh, there's some older players. I mean, there's guys like Paul, Thompson there. He's a 30 year old guy, 10 year veteran. Uh, he's played in the NHL. Um, you know, it's, it's a little difficult sometimes uh, for, for players to do that, to, to find their, to find their personality and, and, and to walk that line between uh, being willing to, to show their personality and, and speak up a little bit, but, but also not going too far the other way. And so 
there's a real fine line there. And I thought uh, a guy like Tippett walked that uh, really well. So I think all in all, uh, if, if you're the Panthers, you have to be pretty happy with what you got out of him uh, last year, because uh, that was an up and down Springfield team, um, you know, a lot of different points of the year, but uh, he was a nice, real consistent uh, piece of their lineup, uh, pretty much start to finish. Another guy on that Springfield team who didn't quite have the uh, progressive year that Owen Tippett had was Henrik Bordstrom, uh, first round pick from the previous year for Florida. Um, when speaking to Eric Joyce last year, I, I asked him, uh, you know, Tippett's getting all these opportunities in the top six. He's getting power play time. Bordstrom, he was on the third line a lot. Uh, they were really trying to grow his, like the, the back end of his game. Like they're like, no, we're good with his offensive skills, but we really want to see that part emphasized. So from just from your take, do you think that he got there? Is he ready for an NHL job yet? Yeah, he's an interesting player because he had that real fast rise. He uh, only played two years of college and then uh, ended up being a, you know, more or less a regular at the NHL level for a year. And then he had to make that difficult move down and uh, that can really get into a player's head. And that's, that's a real dangerous situation sometimes for teams where uh, a player in his mind is uh, of the, the mindset that he's in the NHL. Now I played a year. Uh, I'm an NHL player. What am I doing down here? And uh, you know, I think uh, it takes, uh, it takes buy-in from both the player and, and, and the team and the American hockey league coach uh, to navigate that. Uh, um, it was, it was a difficult year at times, like you said, uh, not uh, necessarily getting that, that top six time that you would expect for a guy that was the first round pick, uh, had already played NHL time and uh, it came in uh, from the University of Denver with a lot of uh, pretty high expectations. But, uh, you know, it's the, it's the old thing, like uh, players develop at their own pace. Uh, it, it's not, a, it's not a, a necessarily like, a, you know, a, a set format or a set pace. Uh, sometimes players, you know, they, they they make that jump quick and then they kind of stall out. And uh, when they stall out, that's where um, they really hit that critical time in their career. Um, do they get out of that uh, and go forward or do they kind of uh, stay stuck where they are or even regress a little bit? So uh, I think coming in now, um, he's uh, that what 23 year old range. So yeah. that's a real big time in a player's career. Uh, that's where you start to really learn. All right. Does this guy have a real NHL future or is, you see that in-between kind of player and so many players get trapped in that no man's land. And it's a real, real difficult uh, um, stage for players to break through. So I'll really be interested to see what he can do uh, uh, this year and what, what Florida plans for him, uh, you know, both in terms of uh, how they start and, and how they manage him throughout the season. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see how it shakes out once we get to training camp as well, because we talk about it with Tippett, but Bordstrom's another guy where, if he's just going to make the Panthers and be stuck in a bottom mm -hmm. six role where he's playing nine minutes a game, like that's really not helping anybody, especially somebody that young with that kind of a, an upside. Um, so it's going to be weird to see. You also, I don't know how, um, how much you've, you're aware of just like how there were issues with the previous management. He went play overseas. There's mm -hmm. talk that his agent, you know, maybe he doesn't want him to come back. And it's just been a lot of drama that I just feel like you don't really see in these situations. And you just wonder when you talk about, spending some time in the NHL, then going back to the AHL and does it shake his confidence? So uh, I'm just curious to kind of see how it all shakes out with him. Well, it's a fresh start. Uh, Bill Zito comes in. Uh, um, it, it's, it's, uh, he's new to the, the Panthers. Uh, Bordstrom's new to him. Um, 
all the past can kind of be put aside. Um, that doesn't matter anymore. All that matters now is, is going ahead. And I think the players that end up getting, breaking through that, that, that difficult stage that he's in right now are the ones that, that really buy into that and, and they don't dwell in the past. They don't uh, get stuck in the mindset, Hey, you know, uh, they didn't treat me fairly or, or this or that, uh, you know, I should be in the NHL. Um, they put their head down and they just get to work and, um, you know, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. I mean, that's the thing. If you're, if you're a young player, uh, you know, in your head, you might be an NHL player, but they don't see you that way yet. And, and you have to show that you are that. And, um, players can really almost start to psych themselves out. And, uh, um, the American league is, is, you know, partially about, uh, on the ice. A lot of it is really more just all the off ice and, all the mental side of the game. Uh, so many players, uh, when they come in there, especially a first rounder like uh, him, um, uh, they come in thinking like, this is just a stop. Like, uh, you know, it's a layover for me. And then, you know, a week or two from now, I'll be in the NHL. And then when they're not, it really can, can jolt them pretty hard. So um, he has to get through that. Uh, um, you know, I don't like seeing players go back that way. You know, I want to see them stay here, stay in the system, um, really, you know, drill down deep on all the little details, all the little tiny system play and, and defensive zone play that they need, neutral zone. Um, and uh, I think a guy like Jordy Kinnear is, uh, um, you know, sometimes he takes some heat from, from fans, but, uh, you know, he's really good on those details. And I think uh, a guy like Borgstrom can learn a lot uh, playing for him. Oh, uh, another guy that was playing in the AHL last year that I want to ask about just because I think he could – be a pretty decent contributor to the Panthers in the next year or two is a defenseman Brady keeper mm -hmm. um, undrafted, obviously played very well in college at the university of Maine uh, actually surprised to get some time last year with the Panthers uh, in their bubble situation. Um, so I was, I was really intrigued to see him because I really didn't know a whole lot about him last year. I saw that he was playing decently with Springfield, but mm -hmm. I'm curious just from what your take, like uh, for him to make a jump like that, he must've been doing fairly well. Yeah, he did. I mean, and like you said, he did in some ways uh, um, kind of come out of nowhere, undrafted, um, you know, played those two years at the University of Maine, uh, had some success there, but uh, I don't think anybody had him on that trajectory where uh, he was going to actually get the, you know, a little bit of time uh, uh, with the Panthers, uh, you know, like you said, in the bubble. So um, I would describe him as he's a little bit of a throwback. Uh, he was he was a feisty player. Uh, for the uh, uh, Springfield Thunderbirds last season. And they didn't have a ton of that, uh, I thought. I thought a lot like the parent club, they were a little bit quiet in some ways. Uh, they weren't a team that necessarily stirred the pot much. Uh, well, he was kind of an exception to that. He was a guy that definitely – he could he could definitely uh, do that. Uh, plays a little bit of an old-school game, uh, crash and bang type guy, but did show some ability offensively, uh, moves the puck uh, – pretty well so i'm pretty high on him and you know you think if a guy like him can break through and get into that florida lineup on a regular basis um like we spoke about uh Gudis and lombard all of a sudden that 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 florida lineup uh is a little bit more abrasive than, than it's traditionally been so uh i'll really be kind of keeping an eye on that and if that's the direction that uh, bill zito and and the rest of the uh front office are going to take i i think that bodes well for a player like keeper where uh um, that plays right into his uh, strong suit. Uh, he's the kind of guy uh, I saw from him that he'll do what you ask him to do. You know, you want him to be a, a tough, abrasive player. He'll, he'll definitely do that. But 
and certainly willing to play more of a skill game as well. So um, yeah, I'm pretty high on him. I, I really was impressed by what I saw early on and, and throughout the year. And that's the thing you always want to see in the American League, especially with the college players. Is they, they are getting exposed to that full-time schedule. Uh, it's a 76 team schedule uh, compared to, you know, uh, roughly half of that in college. So you want to see how a player can handle uh, that grind uh, once January, February roll around. So um, he was still bringing it, uh, you know, he was still bringing that feisty style. And uh, I was really impressed by what I saw through uh, from him throughout the season. Yeah, it was, it was interesting to see how he grew um, just kind of internally. Cause when he showed up in for training camp last, the first training camp last year, almost over a year ago now, uh, the man, management down here, Joel Quenville, uh, at the time it was Dale Talon, wasn't too pleased with him. They, they weren't, didn't think he was in the best of shape. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went down the NHL and he, he got his shit together. And yeah. I mean, clearly, because, you know, fast forward six months and now he's knocking on the NHL's door. So it just, it's like we're speaking about with the other guys, but it shows that not only was he growing physically, but mentally, which I think is, as you said, in the AHL, it, it plays just as big of a part. Well, yeah, that, that happens to players a lot. They think they're in shape and they come in and they're like, well, you know, I did everything I'm supposed to do. And, and they find out they're, they're not. They find out that there's, there's in shape and then there's pro, pro shape. Right. Uh, you know, and they're like, oh, all of a sudden, I can't have that, that cheat meal, or I can't do this. I, I can't cut this corner. Like I got to stick to this regimen. Yeah, it's 24 seven now. Um, and the American league schedule will definitely get you in shape. You start playing those three and three weekends. Uh, it's going to be sink or swim. And uh, you know, for a player like him, uh, Springfield has a lot of those uh, three and three weekends. Uh, um, you know, if, if, if you're not in shape, you're going to be in shape because you just can't keep up otherwise. Uh, so uh, he did it. And, uh, you know, I think he's always going to sort of lean toward that, that, you know, a little more of a stocky build and, you know, he's six two, but he's, he's definitely um, got that, that sturdy stocky uh, body type. So, you know, in some ways, maybe that's always going to be a little bit of a challenge uh, for a player like that, but uh, you know, he's young. Uh, I think the most important thing isn't that uh, he came in and wasn't uh, in, sh- you know, tip top shape. It was that he, he, he answered and responded to what he was asked to do. He took that advice, took it to heart and, and really got on track. So that's all you can ask for from a player. Uh, you know, you, you know, players are gonna, they're young, right. And they're gonna have those issues. Sometimes they're gonna come in thinking that they did all the right things. And it turns out that they didn't, uh, but instead of pouting and, and going down and, and, and sulking and, and wasting 15, 20 games uh, to even get their head on straight, you know, a player like him just goes down, uh, heeds that advice from a guy like Joel Quenville and, and goes with it. And then, you know, you, you saw, obviously, he got rewarded. Uh, he got that, that one game. And uh, I think uh, if you're Florida, you have to be really happy with what you saw from him. The last player that I want to ask you about is somebody else that we saw a little bit of in the bubble and who I'm just so intrigued by this guy. Um, Alexi Sarla, mm-hmm. um, he certainly has uh, gotten some experience in the AHL. He won a championship with Charlotte a couple of years back, which now the Panthers affiliate, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I'm just so intrigued by him because, he, well, I mean, first off, he's got a ridiculous wrist shot. Like watching mm-hmm. him in practice, it, I one of the best I've ever seen. And it seems like his his mindset, like he was so focused on doing whatever this coaching staff asked him last year. Um, w- what is his ceiling? Do you think? I think if you, he's the kind of player, if you're willing to accept a little bit of his flaws, um, you'll get rewarded by what he can do. Like you mentioned that shot, that shot is, 
Um, it's not just a good AHL shot. That that's a high end NHL shot, uh, uh, and uh, he's willing to use it. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, that's what you want to say. You know, use your use your strong suit. Use what got you to the NHL in the first place. Use what's made you successful. Um, he's quite willing to do that. He's quite willing to use that shot. Um, yeah. Charlotte, uh, you know, his time in Charlotte, uh, he, it was an interesting time for him because you're going through that farm system. Uh, the, the Carolina Hurricanes uh, had a real, real deep system, um, you know, with that 2018-19 championship team playing for a guy like Mike Bellucci, uh, the head coach there at the time. Uh, it, it was a, a real, real uh, in-your-face type of club uh, playing that, uh, you know, really aggressive uh, puck pursuit game. Uh, and then you have a guy like Sarla, who that's not necessarily going to be his strong suit. He's more the guy that kind of hides, uh, you know, a little bit off in the shadows almost, and uh, you get the puck to him, and boom, it's in, your, in the other team's net. So. Um, Last year, I thought uh, it was an interesting year because he went to Chicago. That didn't work out. And then uh, Florida picked him up and um, he ended up getting some uh, time up there with the Panthers. And I thought that was good with him because, um, you know, that's the kind of thing where, again, a player that's 23, 24 years old, um, they have some success and then they have a setback and, and they end up wasting a year or two spinning their wheels. Uh, well, I, th I think it was good for him to get up to the – you know, to the Florida Panthers for a bit, uh, get some uh, time, uh, show a little bit of, uh, um, um, you know, what he had uh, both during the regular season and in the bubble. So, um, and I, the thing I like about him now this year is that he's over in Europe now playing, uh, you know, in the Finnish league. So he's not sitting at home. He's not uh, off the ice. He's, he, he's keeping it going. So I'm intrigued by him. I think there's a player there. I know, uh, he can be a little bit of a divisive uh, player in terms of uh, what people see in him, but uh, you know, I can't ignore that shot. And when I looked at that uh, um, and what he has, um, I think there's something there. And I think I, 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 he's the kind of player I'm going to give him every single shot that, that I can possibly give him because I really think that uh, given the right role, given the right situation, if you're willing to live with a little bit of the downside, uh, I think he could be a, a real payoff type of player. Yeah, I, I could actually see him kind of thriving in, in a role on a line with like a Barkov and a Huberto just because they're going to soak up so much attention. Barkov's such a good two-way player that it'll kind of mask some of those issues that Sarla may have. And it gives him the opportunity to, as you said, sneak around in the shadows, find an open space and let these other playmakers get him the puck. So Absolutely. it's a tough situation to put him in because obviously top line minutes are so coveted, but it may be in my, from what I've seen of him, it may be the best place for him. Yeah. If you keep him buried on the third or fourth line, I think that doesn't, that doesn't work for him. That doesn't work for the club. Right. Um, but like you said, if you can, if you can mask some of those deficiencies uh, with a real good two way line mate, uh, um, I think that can really pay off. And you know, I'd lo love to see him on that line. I think that would be, you know, an ideal situation for him. Uh, like you said, it's not easy to justify necessarily giving a player uh, with, with a pretty thin resume at the NHL level, that kind of role. But uh, we've seen players thrive in that before. And uh, sometimes it really is about the fit and the, and, and the line mates they have that really can uh, kind of be that key that unlocks uh, what they have. So um, I think if you're Florida, I, I don't think you have anything to lose. I think you have a, a real kind of wild card type player. Um, 
do everything you can. I mean, Joel, Joel Quinville is not necessarily, I mean, you know, he's not sitting there like trying to save his job at the moment. Uh, you know, he's not a, a coach that's desperate. Uh, so uh, no, he's, he's also not a coach that gets guy, locked in the uh, lines either. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not a guy that, you know, is, is you know, geez, if I have a three dean losing streak at the start of the year, I'm going to be fired. I mean, <laughs> it's Joel Quinville, right? So, so you, you're a coach like that. You can take a little bit of a chance, I think. And uh, you know, try something with a player that, you know, maybe not necessarily uh, other coaches could get away with. No, I'm I'm just curious to see how it shakes out. They've they've got some interesting pieces in place, regardless of what happens between now. You know, here we are uh, towards the end of October and the beginning of the season. But um, I'm I'm a little bit higher on this team, I think, than some people down here, just because they have a lot in place already. The, the things that they brought in, the, the Vinny Heinestrosas, the Lombards, the Verhages, mm-hmm. the Gudases, like these guys, I think they're going to help a lot of the deficiencies that they've had in past years. The scoring hasn't been an issue with this team. Yep. You take away a Hoffman and a Dadnov, I think you're going to get that made up for with the new guys, as well as the Tippets and hopefully the Boardstroms. Um, but you also have to think about the goals against that you're taking off the bat with, you know, when you lose guys like Mike Hoffman or mm-hmm. Mike Matheson. Um, so there's two ends of that stick and, and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic with what Bill Zito's put in together. I am too. I mean, I think, I think they're a more balanced club. Uh, like you said, you lose Hoffman and I don't know if, and yeah, that, that's, that's definitely some production that's gone, but I, they're a little bit more well-rounded, I think right now. Yeah. A little they, bit more responsible. They, they were a bit, a little bit of a one dimensional club. I thought uh, in the past uh, and sort of, if you can, if you're an opponent and you can and shut that down, then you shut down the Florida Panthers. I think now there's a little bit, um, a little bit more that they can throw at you, keep you off balance as an opponent. Um, uh, they can play a little bit more uh, different styles. I think that that suits them well. Uh, and I just, like you said, I like that abrasiveness that they're bringing in. I like that they're they're trying to really form an identity here. And yeah, I'm big on Bill Zito. I mean, the work that he did with Columbus. Uh, a uh, huge part of building up that farm system uh, alongside Yarmouth kick line. And uh, um, that, that farm system they had in Cleveland really started to turn out some good players over the years and, uh, you know, really benefited a club like Columbus that, you know, you know, in a lot of ways was uh, similar to Florida, uh, a team that lacked an identity for a long time, didn't have necessarily um, a great farm system. And, uh, you know, he went in there and, and with Kekalina, they really turned that around and did so pretty quickly, I thought. Um, and it really started to uh, pay off for the team uh, oh, yeah. at the NHL level. A lot of, a lot of times, uh, you, you, you first start to see that turnaround happen at the American League level. You start getting that influx of young players. You start seeing them play a different style, uh, build a different sort of identity, uh, get that early success. And then they bring that, that collective mentality up to the uh, NHL roster eventually. So, um, it's not easy to do, but uh, Bill Zito has proven uh, that he can do that and has done that uh, with Columbus. And that's actually a perfect transition to the last thing I wanted to ask you about, which was Florida just moved their AHL affiliate from Springfield to Charlotte. Um, I'm Honestly, I'm not very well-rounded knowledge-wise with the importance of the physical franchise. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I get the the affiliation moving players back and forth for development purposes and whatnot um charlotte's got a great reputation as an ahl club like they really they're establishing the community they've got a very strong management everything that i've learned over the last couple of months um is it's encouraging so from just from your perspective obviously you know much better than i would 
Um, what are the benefits? What are, what are the Panthers getting moving to Charlotte from Springfield? Uh, the first thing is the front office, uh, uh, that ownership group there. They treat the players really well. Uh, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, your American Hockey League team is, especially an independently owned club like Charlotte is. Uh, if you're the Florida Panthers, in some ways, it's, you're almost handing those players off uh, and, and, and hoping that they're taken well care of. Uh, you can't necessarily always be there um, 24-7, keeping tabs on everything. So you, so you rely on a good front office uh, a good management group. Uh, you rely on uh, a front office that can, when the players move in after being sent down after, you know, from training camp, uh, that they get them settled in real quickly and get them uh, uh, situated in a, in a place to live and learn their way around town. And uh, uh, little things like that, that I think people tend to forget, uh, but it's disruptive stuff. If a player's um, a young guy and he, he's just been sent down, he's trying to, to handle that disappointment. And then he comes in and um, it's kind of left to his own devices, uh, you know, in the new American league town and has to figure out everything. Well, they, they take uh, really good care of those players there. Uh, Tara Black is the CEO there and uh, he has won all sorts of awards, uh, you know, for management uh, through the years. And uh, she does a real good uh, job there fostering uh, that, that, real um, player first mentality. Uh, so players there, you know, guys that have come through there, they rave about it. Uh, it's a big late city. So I think a lot of guys like that as well. And uh, now that can be a little bit of a, an issue. Sometimes uh, you don't want players to get too distracted by that, but uh, um, I think they do a good job. Obviously it paid off really uh, well for the Carolina hurricanes. Um, they were a club that, you know, for years uh, you know, really struggled with their affiliations, never qu- quite found the right fit. Uh, they went into Charlotte back in 2010 and it really started to turn around for them. It took them a while, um, but uh, eventually they, they, they found that right formula and uh, started to turn out some good, good young players, uh, which just like the Florida Panthers, a team like Carolina is going to need that. They're going to need um, that farm system producing two or three guys a year that are able to come into the lineup, uh, especially now. I mean, we're in the salary cap area 15 years in uh, it's been proven. Even if you're the New York Rangers or Toronto Maple Leafs, you have to have, functional farm system that that churns out uh, young talent and uh, the thing is you want to you want to reduce any sort of uh, variables at the at the development level Um, and one of those big variables is just off ice uh, distractions like you know like I said uh, get your housing situation uh, situated and uh, you know learning your way around the town I think good fan support that's always a real key uh, uh, for young players. Uh, you know, you, you go into some buildings in the American League and the building's dead. And uh, you can just see that uh, start to uh, creep into players on ice performance. Uh, it's it's difficult, you know, when they, you come into a building and the building's, you know, you know three quarters empty. Well, Charlotte's always supported their team. And, and that comes down to a front office that hustles to sell tickets, uh, hustles to fill that building, uh, get sponsors, uh, and so um, those those players always are going to play in front of a good crowd down there. Uh, it's a real uh, it's a real enthusiastic crowd. I would describe uh, it's, that building is a lot louder than than a lot of American League buildings are. So uh, that's a nice thing. And, and uh, I think I think that helps players. I mean, players talk about that a lot. They're like, you know, if you know, I'm in the minors. Um, it's one thing to be in the minors. It's another thing to be in the minors and you're playing in front of, you know, 
empty buildings. Uh, it really, it really can get into their head sometimes. So I think for, for uh, Florida players to be able to go into Charlotte and, and play there, they're going to be well taken care of. Uh, they're going to be well supported by their fan base. And uh, I think logistically, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Charlotte uh, uh, to South Florida, I think um, I checked the numbers this summer. It was something like 29 daily flights a day. So you can yeah, always get compared to, I think, two forth. out of Springfield. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where you're hoping, geez, I hope we can squeeze them, you know, into the last seat on the plane and right. uh, get them down there. And air, I mean, you know, you pretty much have a flight leaving um, every hour or so. Um, so I think that's a nice convenience. There's one downside to Charlotte is their travel can be a little bit tough. Uh, they're a little bit off the rest of the map, uh, but uh, the ownership there uh, flies them for the most part. So, you know, let's say you're in Charlotte and you're going on a, typically they have a four to six game road trip. Uh, no, let's say they'll fly into Philadelphia and then they'll play Wilkes-Barre Stratton, Lehigh Valley and Hershey, and then maybe shoot up to new England quickly and then uh, come back and play six games at home. Uh, so um, they're able to offset uh, a lot of those travel issues uh, for the most part. And I'll, I'll say, quite frankly, I think a lot of people were shocked uh, when, when uh, Carolina Hurricanes decided uh, uh, not to continue with the uh, Charlotte Checkers. I mean, I I know that Charlotte wanted, they liked that affiliation. Uh, obviously, made a lot of sense for them uh, in, in terms of having that in-state uh, marketing angle. Uh, so when that, that whole thing started to fall apart, um, that was... That was a big disappointment to the checkers, but uh, I think they rallied, they got on their feet. And uh, um, once they, I think, got past that disappointment, uh, they've really embraced having Florida come in. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you talked about uh, what Bill Zito built in Car or in Columbus, excuse me, and kind of starting to, to build something similar. You talk about what Carolina built with Charlotte. They got that stability for a decade. Now mm -hmm. Florida's kind of trying to emulate that. So you can see what they're trying to do. And I'll be honest, I'm encouraged by the fact that there's a track record already of success and they're, they're following on that path. Absolutely. I mean, Florida's, you know, you go through Florida's affiliation history. It's a mess. Yeah. I mean, Portland, San Antonio, they, Springfield. A, they've done a tour of the United States. Uh, yeah. It was before that they were, before Springfield it was Portland, San Antonio, uh, Rochester. Uh, then it was San Antonio. Uh, they were, I think they were in Cincinnati at one point. Yeah. What's that? And were they in Cincinnati or maybe that was um, ECHL? That was uh, in the IHL. That was in the IHL. We back in the nineties. They were in Greensboro, North Carolina at one point. Uh, New Haven. So they, I mean, they've taken a tour. Uh, you could write a tour guide on on all those <laughs> stops over the years, and that's just disruptive. I mean, um, you know, that's every when you're changing every two or three years. That's a new front office uh, with the minor league club that you have to learn uh, how to coexist with. Uh, uh, it's disruptive for your players. Uh, it's, it's just, it's not good. I mean, you look at some of the best uh, NHL clubs, uh, you know, around and you look at the Washington Capitals they've been with the Hershey Bears for 15 years. Uh, Boston, Providence. Boston and Providence are the longest affiliation going. They go back to 92. Yeah. The, the Rangers, Rangers and Hartford. Hartford 97, yep. Milwaukee, Nashville, 98. I mean, uh, there's that stability there that, uh, you know, it's, it's established. Um, they really built a good uh, uh, connection, both between the NHL and the AHL fan bases. That's another big thing. Um, and you know, the fans at the American League level, like they like to root for their players when they go up to the NHL. And uh, you know that can be difficult when you're you're changing your affiliations out every two or three years. So I'm intrigued to see how this works. I think this is a good move for Florida. Um, 
considering uh, that they could have ended up uh, with the Chicago Wolves, which I think would have been a tough fit. Um, I think if you're the Panthers, you have to be really happy how everything unfolded. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And, and on that note, I'm not going to take up any more of your time today. Um, but I, thank you so much for all the insight, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I know people can find you on Twitter at P Williams NHL. Um, is there anywhere else they can find your work? Yeah, well, I, uh, I do a, a weekly AHL podcast with my uh, co-host David Foote from the Belleville Senators. Uh, I put that uh, link up on Twitter every week. I'm pretty active on Twitter. So um, we're just trying to, uh, it's the second best league in the world for my money. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, uh, kind of a must stop if you're, if you're a player for the most part, 90% of the players in the NHL come through American League. So uh, we're just trying to bring a little bit more of a spotlight on, on a league that uh, throughout the years has kind of uh, always been overshadowed. And, and uh, I've always said it has that middle child syndrome. It's, it's not the NHL older brother. It's not the junior or college younger brother. It's just that kid in the middle that kind of everybody forgets about. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's a league with a lot of intrigue and, and you really start to see players um, you start to see them find themselves. And then, you know, they come in that first, second year and they're, 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 really struggling in that maybe that set that third year fourth year sometimes you get a guy like carter or haiti where that light just goes on and uh, you know he's off to the nhl uh, pretty quickly thereafter so uh, it's a fun lead to cover and it's fun to see when these guys finally do make the nhl and uh, you start to see everybody else discover uh, what they're all about mm. um and what, what's your podcast called uh, around the a uh so uh, uh, we're on all the big platforms google apple uh, spotify uh I put the links up. So awesome. Um, we're out there. We're pretty easy to find. Awesome. Th Patrick, again, thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, and, and that's actually going to do it for episode 26 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. So again, thank you to my guest, Patrick Williams of NHL.com, their American Hockey League correspondent. And thank you to everybody listening. Um, as you know, if you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button, tweet at me, send me a comment, let me know what you think. Um, and we'll be back with another episode soon. So again, thank you for listening. And most importantly, stay safe out there. Take care.